Hello there, and welcome along to Planet Sport Football Africa, a passion for sport production where we look at African football, what's happening around the continent, and what African players are doing overseas. I'm Steve Vickers in Harare, Zimbabwe, joined by Ida Waringa in Nairobi, Kenya, and by Stuart Weir in the UK. And on this week's show, we take an in-depth look at the early stages of the Africa Cup of Nations in Cameroon, as the hosts made a statement with the biggest win of the tournament so far, beating Ethiopia 4-1 on Thursday night. We look at which other teams are impressing so far, and also we ask why there are small crowds at most of the games, with Cameroon's reputation as a football-loving country. I was at one of the fan zones yesterday, and we had more crowds in there than we had for the game between Ghana and Morocco. That's coming later. Also plenty on the English Premier League with Stuart as Manchester City play Chelsea on Saturday and we assess some of the moves in the transfer market so far, including Felipe Coutinho's move to Aston Villa. So we're in the second round of group games at the 2021 Africa Cup of Nations finals in Cameroon with the hosts the first team through to the round of 16 after their excellent 4-1 win over Ethiopia on Thursday. And this has really given the tournament a lift to Ida in terms of the result and the number of goals too. Absolutely, Steve. I mean, it's one of the things that we've consistently talked about this week, you know, has been the repetitive and to some extent boring 1-0 score lines. Nine, I believe, uh, prior to this 4-1 score. Steve, at some point, there were five games, I believe, played back to back, of course, you know, between the different groups that ended 1-0. So, yes, it was really great to see high tempo action, open play, you know, and to come from who else but the home team and in the process become the first team to qualify for the next round and with a game to spare. I mean, this is cinematic stuff, you know. Uh, but, uh, Toto Ekambi with a brace. Uh, but safe to say many eyes, Steve, on, uh, Captain Abubakar. Now he took his tally to four goals. He now has a record of five goals in all 10 Korea Nations Cup games that he's played. Now it's really interesting, Steve, that the veteran prior to this had just the one goal from his last eight AFCON games. Although, I mean, what a goal it was, you know, basically won Cameroon the, the AFCON in 2017. But even more interesting is that in just two games in this edition, he already has four goals, you know. And uh, something else to give credit to, in my opinion, is Cameroon's fortitude, you know, and ability to come from behind and be able to win games. I mean... It's the second time they're doing that uh, in this tournament, though it's not something that I would particularly advocate for uh, to become a habit. But, you know, nonetheless, kudos for the never give up mindset. Yeah, it's always such a good thing for a tournament when the hosts are playing well. Now, a special hello and special congratulations to listeners in the Gambia. Uh, what a start for the Scorpions at their first ever Africa Cup of Nations finals, beating Mauritania 1-0 in Limbe with a first-half goal from Ablai Jalo and a superb goal it was too, a great shot from outside the box. Well, Planet Sport Football Africa's Mamadou Ba spoke to Jalo after the game. 
I'm so happy to score the winning goal for my country, and it's an important goal. So I pray to God for it to continue to, to continue scoring goals for my country because it's an important game. So the first game is so important for us. We have to win this game. When you smashed the ball and you went into the back of the net uh, while celebrating, can you describe the feeling that um, you had, uh, knowing that how important the goal was? Yeah, yeah, I cannot even explain the feeling I have. The time I saw the ball back of the net, I was so happy. So I cannot, I, I cannot even celebrate. So I was just running. Now, um, Gambia winning the first match. Next, next game against a difficult opponent, Mali. How would this victory help in preparing for the next game? Yeah, yeah, yeah. so this victory will help us a, a, a lot because our goal is to win this game because we know that the last two games will be difficult. So we'll go for a point. If we can manage to have point against money, it will be good for us. Uh, uh, you spent the last two seasons uh, in Belgium with Sarain from um, from Metz. But but for you, how important on a personal level is this goal? Yeah, yeah this goal is important for me because as a player, and uh, this is our first time to the tournament. So to score the winning goal for my country is unbelievable. So I hope it, it continue. And then the, uh, the message to the millions of Gambians who, who are glued to their television watching, including the president. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we are thanking them for their support. We saw that the whole Gambia, they are behind us. So we are thanking them because we cannot thank them enough, but we are thanking them because we saw that whole Gambia is behind us. So they are giving us their support, their prayers. It has to continue like this. Oh, exciting times uh, for the Gambia. And uh, that's Ablai Jalo said he didn't even know what to do uh, when he scored that brilliant goal. And he was speaking there to Planet Sport Football Africa's Mamadou Ba. Uh, well, Ida, this is a dream start, a fairy tale already for the Gambia. It really is, Steve. And I know we touched on this on the daily podcast and we can get into a bit more of it here. So, you know, yes, absolutely. And you could tell, you know, even on social media that there were so many people and look, Gambia fans or not, you know, that were happy for them. And I think it's, as you say, it's the dream factor, you know, it's the fairy tale aspect of it. That's quite, quite nice. Um, as for Mauritania, well, things pretty much went from bad to worse because, uh, they did come into this already off the back of a poor string of results. You know, I mean, it was two wins out of 11 prior to the nation's cup. They missed out on a place in the world cup playoffs. That was after finishing last in their group. They crashed out of the Arab cup in the group stage and Look, I know that there's still a team also, you can say under construction, you know, if you will. But I'm sure that they did in some way fancy their chances, you know, against a Gambia that's ranked 150th in the world. I mean, it's the lowest ranked team at the Nations Cup. And for Gambia, well, this will be a good result, I think, to leverage other performances on, you know, try to get a point here, you know, or three points there. I mean, you never know. Steve, I think the one thing we've seen from this Nations Cup, you know, is that a game can go either way, really. We've seen underdogs push the big boys, so... I am really wishing the Gambia all the best, Mauritania too, and uh, let's see how it goes.
It's already a big chance that the Gambia might make it through to the knockout stage at their first ever Africa Cup of Nations finals. And perhaps the most significant game in the first round of group matches was Nigeria's 1-0 defeat of Egypt. Uh, the goal coming from Kelechi Iheanacho and Mohamed Salah uh, looking rather subdued. Uh, what did you read into that result, Ida? It definitely was a statement of intent, Steve. I mean, many Super Eagles fans will now be hoping that Nigeria can keep the consistency, you know, because that has been a problem for for the team before. Now, the Super Eagles were able to totally neutralize Mohamed Salah. And it will be interesting, you know, to see just how he bounces back from this in the next game. On the flip side, though, Kelechi Ihenacho with a game to remember and a man of the match performance to boot. Now, already based on games so far, Steve, there are those who would argue that, you know, there are some front runners who do look like they can go very far or even all the way. And all things withstanding, Nigeria with that sort of performance can look very, very strong. Yeah, sure. And what else have you picked up from the first round of games, Ida? Well, other than that sensational match between uh, Tunisia and Mali, which, as we know now, is uh, developing off the pitch, you know, I'd have to pick Sierra Leone getting that stunning draw against the holders, Algeria. And Steve, once again, you know, one thing we've seen from this first round of group games is that it can really go either way. I mean, we saw Senegal just managing to pip a very stubborn Zimbabwe by just the 90th minute penalty. But this, I mean, was something special from the Sierra Leoneans, you know, taking part in their first Afghan in over 25 years, you know. And seeing goalkeeper Mohamed Kamara, you know, picking up his Man of the Match award later in tears showed just what this meant to him, you know, to the team, to the country. Kamara plays in the Sierra Leonean League, Steve. So this is probably the biggest stage he's ever been on, you know, stopping shots and saving against people that he only sees on TV. It was a powerful sight and, at least to me, really what the Nations Cup should embody and is about. Um, Kamara's seven saves in that game did mean that Algeria did not score for the first time since October 2018. Steve, up next for Sierra Leone will be Ivory Coast, uh, definitely. Uh, Sierra Leone will be the underdogs again. Can they do something... We'll wait and see. Yeah, amazing stuff from Sierra Leone. The only previous times they've appeared at the Africa Cup of Nations in 1994 and in 1996. And they went out at the group stage on both occasions. A chance maybe for them to get through to the round of 16 this time around. You never know the way that they played against Algeria. So lots of big matches coming up this weekend. Ghana needing a win against Gabon on a Friday night after losing their opener. Nigeria playing Sudan on Saturday. Uh, can the Super Eagles continue with their impressive start? And the Gambia playing Mali on Sunday. Uh, who knows what the Scorpions can achieve there? And also Sierra Leone against Ivory Coast on Sunday after the Leone Stars got that great opening draw against Algeria.
Now we're seeing small crowds at most of the games, and、uh, this surprising maybe, given Cameroon's reputation as a football crazy nation, where there have been massive crowds for other competitions that they've hosted. Now to find out why this could be, I spoke to Planet Sport Football Africa's Ngai Eno. He's our Yaounde reporter, and asked him what the reasons could be. I'll be lying if I say that I expected to see、uh, small crowds in the stadium. I mean, this is Cameroon that we're talking about. A nation that has got a footballing culture, and the most glaring examples are what happened during the Women's Africa Cup of Nations in 2016,、um, where you had record attendances for women's football.、Uh, for example, the game between、um, South Africa and Ghana, or South Africa and Nigeria. Brought together about seventeen thousand fans, and so people were expecting to see very huge crowds at the Afcon. But there are several reasons why the stadiums aren't very full at the moment. The first of them, and and this is probably the greatest of them, is the fact that entrance into the stadiums can only be done via the presentation of a COVID nineteen vaccine card and a PCR test. Well, while the availability of PCR tests、um, could really not pose a problem, you know, there's still great controversy around、uh, the COVID-19 vaccines. A lot of people, I mean, with the conspiracy theories, who are not willing to take the vaccine, and a lot of them have simply just decided not to go to the stadiums and rather watch、uh, these games at home. I was at one of the fan zones yesterday, and we had more crowds in there than we had for the game between Ghana. And Morocco, so that should tell you that the fans. I mean, if these restrictions are taken out, we're going to have cracking, cracking football stadiums. But at the moment, that's the situation. I mean, also the pricing of the tickets. If they were a little bit lower, we'll have more fans. But at the moment, that is the situation.、Um, fans have gone on social media and have started a campaign. Urging authorities to brush aside the vaccination card as a prerequisite to get into the stadium. So, I mean, Steve, that's the situation at the moment.、Um, if we do not have an obligation to be vaccinated in order to get into the stadium, I'm pretty sure that each of these games will be having record crowds in there. Interesting insights there from Ngaeno in Yaounde, and it's a seven dollars for the cheapest tickets for the games. By the way. This is Planet Sport Football Africa, brought to you by Passion for Sport. Still to come, a Stuart on the English Premier League. It's Man City Chelsea on Saturday. Lots happening on our social media during the Africa Cup of Nations. You can follow us on Twitter at Planet Sport FA, and also our Facebook page is Planet Sport Football Africa. And we're bringing you a daily show on the Africa Cup of Nations called Cameroon Roars. You can listen on radio and online, and on our app as well.、Uh, bringing you a daily look at the Africa Cup of Nations. And a really good way to listen is on our app. And to download the app, go to the Play Store or the Apple iTunes App Store and enter Planet. Sport Football Africa. Well, let's go to social media now. We're posting a question every day on our social media pages throughout the Africa Cup of Nations.、Uh, with some of the comments, here's Planet Sport Football Africa's Ifrem Tagu. Thanks, Steve. And let's start with a voice note from Ebrima Kante in the Gambia, who gave us his impressions of the tournament so far. And the games that I'm most impressed is Sierra Leone against Algeria. What a game it was! 
amazing first half by Sierra Leone, the Leon Stars, and second half, it was a resilient performance by them. I was rooting for Sierra Leone, as Gambia and Sierra Leone are, prat- are practically common. Uh, we are the same, and we speak the same language. So I, I was rooting for them, and I'm so happy that they collect their deserved point. Well, that voice note from uh, Brima was sent before the Gambia's win over Mauritania, so we're sure uh, that's now a Brima's highlight. And uh, Rigobet uh, Chinakidzwa in Zimbabwe commented on the negativity coming from European football regarding the AFCON. Disrespect is coming from timing, obviously, but truly speaking, a June-July AFCON only works when countries from Southern Africa are hosting. What happens then if they do not bid to host? Countries in the North, West and Central East Africa have terrible weather in June, July, so it's totally impossible for them to host Afghan during that popular June period. In Egypt in June 2019, it was horrible. Players complained about excessive heat. What more of excessive rains, says Rigobert. And we asked, how far can Cameroon go at the tournament? And these were your responses. Frederick Ando in Ghana says, I'm not sure they can win. Mohamed Sissoko believes they can reach the semifinals. Ator Josiah Nico in Cameroon says, all the way to winning the cup. Afar Jack Dos Santos Eric says, the trophy won't leave Cameroon. Sylvester Asiedu in Ethiopia believes they can reach the round of 16. And Jean Bonnier Olivier in Rwanda says, the final. And we also asked, what are you expecting from the Super Eagles? And uh, on our Cameroon Rose Daily Show, our analyst Solas Chuku said, Nigeria will have little trouble advancing from the group stage, but when the stronger teams come, there's a sense that the Nigeria house will come crashing down. And Mubi in Nigeria says, the Eagles will strive to glory in Cameroon. No doubt we will be missing services of some good players, but we can go for gold. And Bolong Badi in Gambia says Nigeria can reach the quarterfinals, but they have to prove their determination for that. And Edo Brown in Nigeria says our boys have enough to offer in AFCON. Even if we have a new coach and with some key players missing, there is no cause for alarm. They'll go far, but we should be careful of silly mistakes in the crucial stages from the quarterfinals onwards. And another topic that we discussed was a 24-team Afghan versus a 16-team competition. It's the second Afghan with 24 teams. After expanding from 16 in 2019, it gives more teams a chance of qualifying, but brings a group stage with some one-sided games, where only 8 of the 24 get eliminated. So, from the Gambia, we've got uh, Suleiman Sonko, who says, I prefer a 24-team tournament rather than a 16-team tournament because it gives chances to the small teams like the Gambia. Uh, Diana Abbasi Edem in Nigeria says, I even expect 32, but for now, 24 is okay. The more, the better, the sweeter. Wow, a 32-team Africa Cup of Nations, uh, though many do feel that 16 was maybe the ideal number. Thanks, Ephraim. That's Planet Sport Football Africa's Ephraim Tagu.
Okay, so as well as the Africa Cup of Nations, there's a full round of English Premier League fixtures this weekend. This after the third round of the FA Cup last weekend, and a couple of midweek league fixtures. I'm joined by Stuart Weir in the UK, our European football expert, and Man City Chelsea on Saturday. The standout fixtures, Stuart. Yes, Steve. As you say, Manchester City at home to Chelsea is undoubtedly the game of the day. With City having won their last five league games and Chelsea having won only one of their last five, and with City having home advantage, you'd have to make City strong favourites. And if they win, they would be 13 points clear of Chelsea, and it's really hard to see Chelsea making that up in the second half of the season. Chelsea are likely to have Romelu Lukaku back in the team. Two weeks ago, Lukaku gave an interview to Italian television, saying that he really looks for Inter Milan's result first, that he'd love to return to Milan and that he's not very keen on the Chelsea tactics. Not surprisingly, his manager Thomas Tuchel said that his remarks were not helpful and immediately dropped him from the squad. But they apparently have now kissed and made up and Lukaku has played in the last two cup games. But it is a crucial game for Chelsea. They really need to avoid losing. And with Liverpool at home to Brentford, they will move into second place with a win unless Chelsea get a result. Tottenham 6th at home to Arsenal 4th, and a win would move Spurs above the Gunners and potentially into the top four, so the North London derby has quite a bit at stake there. But there's a massive game at the bottom of the table when Newcastle United, in the relegation three, are at home to Watford, who are one place out of it. A win for Newcastle, which would be only their second win of the season, would lift them above Watford, and out of the bottom three. Norwich are at home to Everton, and again, that's one of those games that you feel Norwich really need to win if they're going to get out of the bottom three. And in one of those strange coincidences that happens, Manchester United played Aston Villa, and West Ham played Leeds in the FA Cup last weekend, and they meet again this weekend in the league. It'll be interesting to see whether Manchester United and West Ham can repeat the victories or if the losers perhaps learned enough to turn the tables. Let's get a bit more on the FA Cup and go back to last weekend. Uh, The third round is where the Premier League teams enter the competition and a few upsets there, Stuart. I mean, I think the FA Cup third round is one of the most exciting weekends of the season. The FA Cup, of course, is the oldest cup competition in the world, going back to 1871. And as you say, the third round of the competition is where the 44 clubs from the Premier League and Championship join the competition alongside 20 from the lower divisions who have qualified out of about 500 entrants to make up the last 64. Alongside teams from the EFL League 1 and 2, you find a few semi-professional non-league clubs from the 5th or 6th tiers of English football, playing in the same competition as Manchester United, Arsenal and Liverpool. Well, you would expect the 20 Premier League clubs to progress comfortably, but it doesn't always happen like that. Last weekend saw three Premier League clubs knocked out of the cup by clubs from lower divisions, Arsenal lost to Nottingham Forest of the Championship, causing manager Mikel Arteta to say he was disappointed by the lack of passion from his players and that, frankly, Nottingham Forest looked as if they wanted to win the game more than Arsenal. And that was the first time in 25 years that Arsenal have got out of the cup at the first round for them. 
Newcastle United, with one league win and 19 games, lost at home to Cambridge United from the third tier of English football, a real embarrassing result for the new owners. Burnley led for most of their game against Championship Huddersfield before conceding two late goals and going out. And while Tottenham beat third-tier Morecambe, they were still behind in the 74th minute. Two semi-professional clubs progressed, with Boreham Wood beating AFC Wimbledon, who are three tiers above them, and Kidderminster beat Reading from the Championship. And Kidderminster's reward is a home game with West Ham United. That is a semi-professional club playing a Premier League club. What a day out for the players and supporters of Kidderminster. And if that game is chosen for live television, a huge payday for them as well. Now, VAR was in use in ties which were hosted by Premier League clubs, on the grounds that only Premier League clubs had cameras and technology to set up VAR to function. But this was criticised as giving the Premier League clubs, an advantage. And there were certainly some games without VAR where arguably were decided by refereeing errors. Now, in one of the all-Premier League ties, Manchester United beat Aston Villa 1-0. But Villa had the ball in the net, with the referee awarding the goal, only for VAR to check offside, handball and a foul by a Villa player not involved in the goal. And after three and a half minutes and endless replays, the goal was disallowed. Not VAR's finest moment. Well, not their finest three and a half minutes, really. But the importance of the FA Cup varies from club to club. One gets the impression that some of the top clubs don't take it that seriously, choosing to rest key players. And when he was manager of Arsenal, Arsene Wenger used to say that finishing fourth in the table and getting into the Champions League was more important for him than winning a cup. But for clubs like West Ham, Tottenham, even Manchester United, and last year's winners Leicester City, the cup represents their best realistic chance of winning a trophy this season. And for that reason, it's very important to them. Indeed, and uh, great to see those uh, smaller clubs are getting to fight against the bigger teams uh, in the FA Cup. And we're in the January transfer window now, Stuart, and Felipe Coutinho's moved to Aston Villa, one of the interesting early moves. Coutinho sent five very successful years at Liverpool, 2013 to 2018, and was then sold to Barcelona for the then staggering transfer fee of $140 million. But it didn't work out for him at Barcelona, and he only started 51 games in five seasons. And He was even sent out on loan to Bayern Munich. But the problem for Barcelona is that his annual salary is close to $20 million a year. And that's an awful lot of money for a player who only started 13 games last season. Well, season and a half, in fact. Aston Villa, managed by the former Liverpool teammate Steven Gerrard, have taken him on loan with the option to buy him. But... Uh, it'll be interesting to see how it works out. He's obviously a great player, but he's struggled for the last five years, really. Newcastle have made their first two big signings. Kieran Trippier, who played for Burnley and Tottenham before being transferred to Atletico Madrid, and he's 31. Newcastle have also signed Chris Wood, the New Zealander, who's been Burnley's leading goalscorer for the past four seasons, and he's 30. 
They're two solid players with loads of Premier League experience, but they're both the wrong side of 30. So you could say that Newcastle are signing them for what you might call phase one, survival in the Premier League. And we haven't seen Newcastle try to sign players from PSG, Real Madrid and so on. But I suppose with Newcastle being in the bottom of the table, uh, these are the kind of players who will help them to stay uh, in the division, uh, you know, rather than necessarily immediately making them Champions League contenders. Watford, currently fourth in the bottom of the table, have signed Hassan Kamara, a French-born Ivorian, who has played about 150 games in France, most recently for Nice. In 1969, Steve, Newcastle had won 11 trophies in their history, and Chelsea had won just two. But in the 50 years since, Newcastle have not won a trophy, and Chelsea have picked up 23 Well, the Blues fans will love to hear that, no doubt, and uh, lots more to come for sure in this January transfer window. Thanks very much, Stuart. Uh, Now a reminder that as Passion for Sport, we're bringing you a daily show on the Africa Cup of Nations. It's called Cameroon Roars. You can listen online, on radio and uh, on our app. And uh, to get the app, go to the Play Store or the Apple iTunes App Store and enter Planet Sport Football Africa. You can listen to our daily show, Cameroon Roars. And a reminder of some of the big games to look forward to this weekend in Cameroon. Uh, Ghana playing Gabon on Friday night. The Black Stars needing a win there. Nigeria up against Sudan on Saturday. The Gambia playing Mali on Sunday. Also on Sunday, Sierra Leone playing Ivory Coast Elephants after that great opening draw against Algeria. Can they put up another great performance there? Uh, We shall see. Well, that's it for the show for this week. So for me, Steve Vickers, Andy from Tagu in Harare, from Ida Waringa in Nairobi, and from Stuart Weir in the UK, thanks a lot for listening, and Planet Sport Football Africa is a passion for sport production.